Welcome to the Confidence and Communication Podcast. I'm your life coach, Jessica Dumas. I'm a professional speaker and coach who empowers women everywhere to use their voice to take up space and change the world. My goal is to help you speak with clarity and confidence while giving you practical guidance and tools by sharing real life experiences of overcoming. So turn up the volume and grab a pen. You're gonna wanna write this down. Hello, and welcome back to the Confidence and Communication Podcast. I'm so honored today to have Amy Pickering join me as my guest. Amy is a food freedom coach, and you can find her, because you'll want to follow her, at underscore Amy Pickering on Instagram. Amy, uh, as I said, is a food freedom coach. She takes you from being food focused to food freedom. She takes you from cravings and guilt to control and confidence. And she coaches on binge and emotional eating. And as I have said several times, as I talked about her on my Instagram already this morning and chatted with her, that this is such an important topic. So I'm really eager to hear what she's going to share with us. So Amy, I'm interested in your coaching because there's so much conflicting information online. I have been, and I'm sure every other woman and and man really is like, we're taking in so much information and we're trying to decide for ourselves, how do we get fit? How do we be healthy? How do we look good? Right. And I think it's important to also say that in those words, because people are sometimes ashamed to say that, but I want to look good. (laughs) So please say hello, Amy, and tell us where you're located. Hello. Well, firstly, thank you for having me on. It is an absolute pleasure. And I love that our kind of industries are almost merging because I think it's mm-hmm. it's obviously so common for me be, to be able to speak to other food freedom coaches, personal trainers. But I think just being able to bring this into a wider audience is so incredibly important because like mm-hmm. you said, most of us eat, <laughs> most yeah. of us move. Most of us have a desire to to feel good and to look good and to feel healthy. And it's not just specific to one individual um, industry or niche. So I'm based in Leeds at the moment in England. So across the waters from you guys. But I kind of got into health and fitness through quite a turbulent relationship with food and exercise in my body myself. Um, And it's what kind of sparked my passion and my love and my mission really to make sure that women do it the correct way so that they don't go down a similar story than what I went down so yeah it's it's been a passion of mine for the last nine or ten years or so and something that I've kind of really I just fallen in love with because the transformation that you see in women specifically I mainly work with women but in everybody that you work with the transformation that it gives you is just indescribable because it just impacts every single aspect of your life like you wouldn't meet like you wouldn't believe Mm -hmm. No, I love following you on Instagram because one of the things that you share a lot about is the food that you're eating. And Mm -hmm. sometimes I'm looking at it and I'm like, wow, that looks like a big serving, but like that girl's going for it. So like, what is food freedom coach? So tell us about that. And then I'm so excited to jump into all the things we're going to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. So I love the, the topic of portion sizes as well, because previously that would have triggered the hell out of me because I would have been like, oh my God, no, I need to, I need to eat this certain amount because women eat this certain amount. And it's really just being able to get back into your body and realize, well, I need this much food. My body needs this much food. I'm going to eat it unapologetically. Um, Mm -hmm. Food freedom is essentially the improving your relationship with food so that you can have a peaceful relationship with food, which is one that constitutes as not obsessing about food constantly, not constantly trying to mentally calculate what you're eating not worrying about if it hits a certain 
calorie target or a certain kind of rule around food, such as points or sins and things like that. Not having these obsessive thoughts about needing to restrict after eating something, not being obsessed with guilt or shame around specific foods or feeling like certain foods are off limits or on limits. Basically, just really being able to bring you back into balance with food as opposed to maybe having these thoughts that have come from a lot of diet culture that a lot of us have been kind of ingrained with over the years. So it's finding that balance. And I'm kind of in the middle with everything in terms of I don't necessarily promote weight loss with my clients, but I'm also not anti-weight loss because there are a lot of food freedom coaches, which understandably are very anti-diet, anti-weight loss. Um, Mm -hmm. But the thing is, there's nothing that is inherently bad in isolation, like losing weight by itself, wanting to look good isn't inherently bad or toxic. It's the intention behind it is the intention coming from I hate myself, I need to force myself to change in order to like myself and the approach that we use to get there. If it's a very restrictive, very extreme approach, that's where the toxicity and the damage can come from rather than actually the weight loss by itself. So very much in the kind of middle ground, coming back to that balance, which helps in and of itself because a lot of food freedom struggles come from a very all or nothing mentality whereas Mm -hmm. I'm either on a diet off a diet I'm eating well I'm doing bad whereas bringing that balance in just comes to okay I'm a human I'm allowed to have these desires and I'm also going to respect my body at the same time in order to get that so Mm -hmm. yeah it's a very much kind of the way that I describe it is just a peaceful relationship with food where it is you in control of your decisions around food and also being able to be at peace from a mindset perspective as well Mm-hmm. Holy smokes. Like what you just shared, that was powerful. There's so much information in what you just said, what really stood out and what really, what I felt was when you talked about the intent and how people can hate their bodies. And I have been there. I don't think that I'm there right now, but like, that's such a serious, serious thing. And like the diet culture and following on Instagram. Oh, this person says I should do that. And this page says I can do that. It's torture. It's torture for people. So let's talk about like food and restrictions and kind of what you just mentioned. I think that there's so many times where I'm out with friends and, you know, someone at the table is saying, oh, I can't eat that. And it's not because of a, you know, I have an allergy or whatever. It's because I've I'm over my limit. So like, what was that like for you? And how did, how did you take that and then become a coach and doing it? Yeah. Well, I love everything you've just said there, because when it comes to healing our relationship with food, we have to intertwine body image within that because often the struggles that we have with food are are deeply rooted in a fear of gaining weight. Mm -hmm. And it's not the, the weight gain that we truly fear. It feels like it on the surface because we're worried about the scale weight going up, how we might look, our body changing, cellulite all of these different things clothes not fitting but the real fear is a lot deeper than that it's okay why do you fear gaining weight like what has your brain learned weight loss me or weight gain means about you so for example just to give like a personal context because I was bullied for my weight during school my brain had made the connection that anytime I was bigger or had gained weight that means that connection was taken away from me or I was isolated from the group so whenever I then started to lose weight which for me turned into a very quick quickly developed eating disorder that's when I then started to get compliments and validation and admiration from other people which obviously from the brain's perspective we have a psychological need for community for connection uh, for love for appreciation so for me then growing up with that mindset which is all subconscious you're not aware of it at the time my brain related food equals weight gain equals loss of connection and to the brain on the surface you only think of that as 
I can't eat that because then I'll gain two pounds. And we think it's about the weight gain, but it's actually a step deeper than that as to what does the weight gain mean for us? Mm -hmm. So when it comes to relationship with food, there's different layers that we can take it. And I think starting off with the most almost shallow layer is always the most beneficial because it's typically the easiest. So things like, are you eating enough? Are you actually having all of the main carbohydrates, fats, proteins, all of your macronutrients? Because if you're not, that is when things like cravings and urges and things like that are going to come in. But then if people are struggling with things like chronic restriction, uh, chronic overeating, anything that is a prolonged struggle with food, it's then how we then need to go a little bit deeper to find, okay, what is the true cause of this to be able to heal that in order to have an upward effect on everything else? For me personally, the restriction was a coping mechanism. Anytime I felt a loss of control, it's what my brain strung onto because it's the only way that I knew how to gain all of these kind of psychological needs that I didn't have any other coping mechanism for in that first place. So it would be almost like a a response to a stressful situation or a response to, oh my God, I don't like my body today. I'm going to go and run it off or I'm going to go and do cardio or I'm going to cut out my breakfast. And it would Mm -hmm. just be a constant spiral. And the scary thing is as well, I think you might be able to relate to this. When when we struggle with the way that we look or that we hate the way that we look, it's so automatic that you don't even recognize how much it's impacting you on a day-to-day basis because it just becomes part of your normal everyday routine to get up, automatically mm-hmm. look at your stomach, go into the bathroom, look in the mirror, judge yourself, choose five different outfits because you don't like how any of them look on you. And it just becomes like part of this morning routine and then walking past a window, a shop window, a car window, it's such a stressful experience on the body that you don't necessarily recognize is impacting us in such a way because it's just being conditioned into us that, oh, well, this is how women should look. And if you don't, then you need to make sure you look a certain way. There's so many aspects of societal conditioning that come into that restrictive mindset because it's made us believe that we need to look a certain way in order to receive this appreciation, in order to be good enough, in order to be worthy of being on the front covers and all of this kind of subliminal messaging that we get from very specific marketing fads, it then makes us believe that restricting food is the the way out of that. And we don't always know about the consequences of doing that because they're not taught about, like the, they are mm-hmm. not taught about. All you find online is eat this to lose weight. You don't yeah. see if you under eat, this can happen until you experience the consequences like I did. So mm-hmm. it really kind of, sparked something in me when I started researching how the female physiology works, how the human body works, how nutrition works, how psychology works, because I love that side of things. I remember reading an article one day and I was like, this isn't anywhere. Like this information isn't anywhere to be found. If you read the most highly readily available articles that come up on Google when you search something, it's the complete opposite of what the research actually says. And it's the complete opposite of how our body works. And it's all just based on marketing and sales and trying to sell a specific product or a program people don't realize how much that's impacting the vast majority of women around the globe Mm -hmm. because we don't know much about this topic so then we just take that as the gospel so that really kind of lit a fire within me to be like this information needs to be more public and this is this is my mission essentially it's I know for a fact that this is like my purpose of why I had to go through what I did Mm -hmm. to really give me this this outlook and this kind of purpose and mission for life So tell us about that experience. How old were you? What was happening? What were some of the negative effects before you started looking into this stuff? I'd always struggled with food throughout the majority of my kind of teenage years and childhood. Things like binge eating, secret eating. So I would always 
eat things and then put the wrappers into my couch, in my mum's couch or in my neighbour's bin so that nobody could find the evidence for it. Um, a lot of shame around food, just using it as a coping mechanism after a stressful day. And I would always tell myself that I was going to lose weight, go on a diet. And I would always write Monday on the back of my hand so that it was like, OK, I'll start next Monday because I've not done it again this week. Next Monday is the one. And it would just be this constant cycle of trying to diet and then stick to it for a day and then fall off. And then the same again next week. Then when I turned 17, I was like, OK, I'm going to start start to lose weight. The thought of going into a gym was petrifying. So I asked my dad if he would buy me a treadmill, which he did. Um, he offered to buy me one. So I did that in the living room and started to see good amount of progress from it, started to lose weight healthily. I was still eating a good amount. I was just making healthier choices. And then on New Year's Eve, I made the resolution to, in quotes, take it more seriously. And that's when it very quickly spiraled because I Googled the quickest way to lose belly fat um, and just followed the advice that came up on there. And within a couple of Bring months- from Google. Yeah, I know. I know. Dr. And- Google. Literally, please don't follow any advice you find. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is, there is a great amount of information online. It's just that you have to be very aware of it in order to be able to filter out the good information because Mm -hmm. there's so much that it's so overwhelming. So within just a couple of months, I developed eating disorders and something as well called orthorexia, which I'm not sure if you've heard of before. Mm -hmm. It's the obsession with foods as being good or bad. So like a clean eating obsession, essentially, to the point that If somebody put a sweet potato in front of me, I would be fine because in my brain, that was okay food. If you put a white potato in front of me, I would have a full-blown panic attack. And it's very much a kind of visceral reaction Mm -hmm. to that food because you've labeled it as good or bad in your head. And then when I went to uni, I then started to get into resistance training, weight training, loved it because it changed my focus from getting strong, feeling powerful rather than burning calories Um, But I was still obsessed with calorie counting and kind of focusing my attention onto that, which was actually just still a very restrictive mindset, but a more socially accepted restrictive mindset because it was more kind of mainstream in terms of using things like calorie counting. It was when I was at uni doing my first degree, because I originally studied languages, believe it or not, that I started researching everything about female physiology and everything like that. And I just become hooked. And I was reading articles until four or 5am because I struggled with insomnia because of the eating disorder. So that's kind of what really got me started with it. But from a health perspective, the impact that under eating had on me was longer term in terms of things like I lost my period for about three or four years and um, which wow. delayed puberty for me. So wow. I didn't actually previously until kind of like probably about two years ago now. So when I was about 23 ish, Um, is when I actually started to go through puberty at a later age because I just delayed my hormones for so long. Um, I had insomnia for five years. My hair was falling out. I was freezing cold all the time. I lost circulation in my hands. Um, So I've got pictures of my hands where they were just purple and blue and I couldn't feel them. I couldn't move them. And all of this is from under eating. And this is why I'm so incredibly passionate about it because you don't see this side of it on social media. You see the abs, you see the before and after picture. You see the women that look so confident, but you don't Mm -hmm. see health isn't always something that we can see externally. Obviously, with things like no circulation, you can see that, but you can look great and be smiling Mm -hmm. on the outside, but be a crumbling mess on the inside and nobody would be able to tell. It's often because in our mind, we've correlated weight with health, which isn't always the case. Mm -hmm. There is obviously a point where if we do have too much excess body fat, that is also unhealthy. Like we can't negate that, but we can't also still have this mindset that the the smaller I am the healthier I am because 
nine times out of 10 for a woman, especially to get there, we would have to do very dramatic measures in order to get to the point where we have visceral, like extreme abs 24 um, seven, mm-hmm. because our, our body just cannot handle that. So there's the phrase that I always use, which is if you do it right, you do it once, which means if you if you do weight loss the correct way, if you start your health and fitness journey in the correct way, and even if you've done it for the last 20 years and it's not been in the correct way, at least if you start now, you will do that once. You will never have to go through another diet and another yo-yo and keep kind of staying on the same cycle. And also if you come, it, come with it in the mindset of trying to do it as quickly as possible, nine times out of 10, you end up elongating the process because you try mm-hmm. to lose weight quickly and then you will most likely rebound because most of the statistics have told us that 95% of diets fail. One in three women that regain the weight will regain more weight than they originally lost in the first place. So nine times out of 10, you will lose the weight, very quickly regain it back, and then you will be stuck in this yo-yo diet. So even though psychologically you feel like you're losing weight and you're doing great, what we don't necessarily see is in 12 months time, you've not even got anywhere because Mm -hmm. you've kind of yo-yo dieting in between that. It can be difficult to think of the process as a longer term one by thinking, okay, I'm going to take it a little bit slower and do it in a way that's healthy. Because again, our brain likes like, the, the instant gratification of seeing the, the weight drop quickly or seeing the scale weight move mm-hmm. uh, in a week, but you will actually get to where you want to be so much more easily and sustainably by doing it a longer way around. So yeah, quite a, a long winded response, mm-hmm. but hopefully that. No, it's perfect. You know, it's amazing that this journey of your relationship with food and your body, it starts so young, like you were 17 years old, like that's in my first thought was, oh my God, that's so young, but we were all there. We all did that when we were that age. And then a lot of this isn't new information. I mean, what you're sharing is new information, but it shouldn't be so shocking that we know the advertising, the subliminal messages that we're getting and what it's doing to us when we think about what we can and can't eat what we like or hate about our bodies and how that is just becomes a part of us. My mind is just blown. Like this is incredible. So you could tell that you've done your work and not that I didn't think that you did, but it's just, it's very impressive how easily you can talk about all of these things. Mm -hmm. And like, it's just a conversation that definitely needs to be had in so many places. Do you talk to high school students? Like, do you ever talk to schools? Believe it or not, that is something that was a huge, huge focus of mine when I first got into my business. When I saw my kind of business in a longer term perspective, I was like school talks, talks with parents and family members, because they're really who is going to make the biggest difference for these kids um, is really being able to bring it into a home environment. So I haven't just yet, but I would absolutely love that. That Mm -hmm. would be such a dream for me. And I think the great thing about what I'm able to do now is by helping women, they are naturally going to have a positive impact on the generations below them anyway. Absolutely. Aside from them as well, when their sisters come around or their friends come around or their mum's asking them about food, they will be the one that stops that cycle of that very kind of damaging diet cycle and actually be able to educate their children in that way. Mm -hmm. And I think that in and of itself is so powerful to think when you do this work, you could quite literally stop an eating disorder in its tracks. That is just, it, it sends goosebumps down my spine every yeah. time I it. It's just so, so powerful. And I think another thing that kind of shocks me that there's no information out there, 
about cleaning up this. Uh, well, I don't know if cleaning up is the right word, but spending time to focus on this relationship with your body and with food so that it's ongoing and that it's not an up and down diet culture. Like my mind honestly is just blown with that. How do your clients respond to that? I think I typically attract the type of client that is sick of already being in that cycle for years. So typically when when women come to me, they've already done the 5, 20, 30 years of yo-yo dieting and they're like, it doesn't work. Quite clearly it doesn't work. So what do I need to do? Yeah. I do get the occasional client that comes in and says, I want to lose weight. I've seen all my friends do it around me in a way that's not healthy. I want to make sure that I do it right from the get-go, which is just like, oh, a breath of fresh air because I'm like, oh my God, you have saved yourself just so much hassle you don't even know. But even if you have struggled for years, you can still overcome your struggles. It kind of makes you believe that you're a failure if you've tried so many times Mm -hmm. and it hasn't worked for you. But it's not you that's failed. It's the approach that's failed you because these dietary approaches aren't there to be sustainable. They are quite literally there to profit from your insecurities by using approaches that are very restrictive and very extreme in order to for you to see results very quickly. But they don't necessarily teach you how to sustain that long term. So then once you've gained the weight back, you have to go straight back around to them again. And it's Mm -hmm. it's a great business approach. It's a terrible (laughs) terrible holistic approach in terms of actually caring about the individual whereas my approach is very much yes I'm going to give you the practical kind of information of what you can do how to make a balanced meal without obsessing about calories but also I'm going to teach you how your body actually works so that you don't need a coach you don't need a diet you don't need my fitness pal you've got every single resource within you already to be able to manage how you eat how you exercise listen to your body respect your body And also feel comfortable and confident around social events and Christmas and navigating all of that, because that is health in a nutshell is it's not just how we eat and how we exercise. It's our socialization. It's our mental health. It's Mm -hmm. our enjoyment. And if eating well and exercise is causing you stress or to be obsessed with what you're eating, it's actually most likely taken away from your health rather than adding to it. My clients typically come to me already ready for that information, but sometimes we have to burn ourselves a few times in the fire before we actually realize the consequences of what we're doing like if you would have told 17 year old amy you need to improve your relationship with food to lose weight i would have been like no just give me a diet plan like i, yeah. <laughs> I would have just started it completely looking back would you say that you even had to lose weight no not whatsoever not whatsoever the the bullying very much created body dysmorphia for me for years. And I look back at pictures of the 14, 15, 16 year old me and I'm mind blown. I am just mind blown. I saw a completely different figure staring back at me in that mirror. It's absolutely crazy because I was going to say if you've never struggled with body image issues, but I think the majority of us have at some point. Mm -hmm. So you can probably relate to this if you're listening it quite literally is we get to a point where you look back at a picture of yourself mm-hmm. from five years ago and you think I look great like why did I ever care about what I looked like or I wish yeah. I could look like that again mm-hmm. and there's this kind of trap that we get stuck in which when we're 20 years old we hate how we look but then when we're 25 we want to look how we did at 20. <laughs> oh my god isn't that the life yeah really and then we're 25 and we hate how we look and then at 30 we wish we looked like how we did at, thir- at 25. Unbelievable. And we don't realize how much we are often wasting life because we are too focused on how we look. It just consumes us without us even being aware of it half the time. Mm-hmm. So um, I want to talk a little bit about body love. Because, and I know like it, it sounds very 
intricate. There's a lot of different angles and mindset is really important. Loving your body and accepting your body. And so that's something that I've been working on. And so I've done a little bit of um, like working with a naturopath and, and doing different things because I also, I knew I want to lose a few pounds but I don't want to do it in a stupid diet way. Cause I'm not, I can't, I can never complete a diet anyway. Right. Like probably most of your clients, whether it was through that or just through my intuitive work, my meditation and journaling work and my spiritual work, I wanted to have a good relationship with my body. And I, I know that I can still do some work. And that's another reason why I admire what you're doing so much, but like, I've been able to at least come to a point where I do love my body and I'm thankful for my body because without my body, I wouldn't have this life that I have. And I, I love my life. You know, I still don't have all the things that I want, but I, I love who I am and I love my life. That's a difficult conversation with anybody. As I'm sharing this, I can think of lots of women that I know and that I love dearly that could never say that they love their body. And so like, what, what was that journey like for you to finally start accepting and loving your body? strange <laughs> to be very frank it, unfamiliar because I'd been so conditioned and used to hating it and picking it apart and focusing on the very specific microscopic area that I hated that nobody else could focus on it is quite literally revolutionary when you start to look at your body in a different way because I think it's often thought about and I thought this as well that when we love our body and when we feel body confident and we have good body image that it's about waking up each day and feeling like Beyonce and feeling like I look incredible. I love myself. Look at that sexy piece of my body. And there are going to be days that we look in the mirror and we go, oh, you're a bit bloated. And that's it. And that's where it ends. It doesn't go into the, so this means that you need to, or so that means that I'm going to skip this meal. And it doesn't kind of take over your entire thought process. And I think positive body image is not necessarily about always loving your body it's about being able to recognize that your body is the least interesting thing about you and it's being able to separate your worth from how you look that day mm. to be able to like okay I've woken up and I'm bloated I'm still going to rock the shit out of the day like I'm still going right. to go and live my life because a day is still amazing for me and I think the first step in terms of improving your relationship with your body is looking at how do you improve a relationship with anything, with somebody else. You speak to it nicely, you trust it, you connect with it, you are grateful for everything that they do for you. And we can have that same relationship with ourselves and with our body because oftentimes when you're aware of the thoughts that come up when you're speaking to yourself, you wouldn't have any friends if you spoke to any of your friends like that. And we're often so unbelievably self-critical and we don't necessarily recognize how much of that anger is being pushed onto our bodies specifically. It's very common that whenever we're feeling frustrated or stressed for that anger to come onto a certain part of our body, because we have related that to something that we can change in order to feel better about how we are. A lot of us have experienced that that doesn't always work out that way. It doesn't matter if we've lost the weight, we don't necessarily feel confident as a guaranteed. We have to work on that alongside the weight loss. So it is very much being able to look at what's your self-talk like? How do you talk to your body? And also recognize that you are not your body. Like your body, I always give this analogy. If you imagine the phone and you've got like an iPhone or an Android or whatever it is, say if the Android is worth 1,000 pounds, for example, and that's the value of that phone. If I was to put a pink phone case onto that phone, 
the phone is still worth a thousand pounds. And then if I put a blue phone case onto it, the phone is still worth a thousand pounds. So you are the phone in this scenario, like you, as you are, your inherent soul, your worth will never change no matter how your external appearance changes. But often society has made us believe that our worth is dependent on how we look physically and being able to tap into who you are, not what your body is, not how you look physically, but who you are, what qualities do you have? What strengths do you have? What attributes do you have? What have you overcome in life? All of the things that give you your you-ness mm-hmm. by being able to focus on that, you will naturally find that your worth starts to separate from how you look physically. And again, it doesn't mean that you can't want to look good. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing inherently wrong with wanting to look good and feel good, but it's no longer the entire focus of your day or the, the only place that you gain your self-worth from. Is mindset the first part of the work? I would say so personally, because mindset is something that is constant. We can't shut our thoughts off, but we can choose which thoughts we believe and which thoughts we start to reprogram. Um, And we're the only person that we spend 24 seven with, like Mm -hmm. our brain is the only thing that we are talking to constantly. And if our thoughts are filled of self-hatred, self-deprecation, that is going to slowly start to wear and tear on us. Um, I always, again, give this analogy If we were looking after a five-year-old child and we were constantly telling them, you look awful, go and change your clothes. You can't wear that. Your belly looks huge. Oh, you've just done that again. What's wrong with you? That child is not going to feel, one, very Mm -hmm. loved and supported by us. And it's also not going to feel very confident in its own abilities. Whereas if we just start to change the vocabulary that we're using with it, it will automatically change how it feels about himself or herself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's the same with us. Our words play such a big role that we often don't recognize because it's something that comes so automatic from us from, like I say, years of diet culture and whatever we've been brought up with. But being able to change how you speak to yourself, which means forgiving yourself when you've made a mistake, recognizing that you're human, recognizing that your body will fluctuate, especially as a woman through the menstrual cycle, which is completely normal. Changing how you look at your body, like you said perfectly, like being able to recognize everything that it does for you. It sounds small, but this is really the thing that has the biggest impact for so many of us that we just were not aware of through the day. So what happened that made you finally say, I need to work on this? So you were very underweight or working out like crazy, delayed your puberty, lost your period. So like, what was it that you finally went, I need to love my body? Mm. I think for me, it was more of a gradual progression. When I was going through this, this kind of experience, there wasn't that much information out there in terms of food freedom. Like that wasn't a concept that was around back then. No, I've never heard that in my life, food freedom. It's such a, it's more recent that coaches like myself are starting to kind of be brought up into the, the world, if you will, of Instagram. And I think it's more recently as well that we're actually starting to look at diet culture and what it's done to us. Whereas back then it was just that was how you do things there's no alternative so for me it was a little bit more gradual because after the kind of eating disorder underweight phase I then went into a rebound of binge eating again so it kind of spiraled back up which is extremely common as well as as a post kind of rebound but I didn't necessarily see it as an issue because you're very much in denial during all of that there's so much shame that is attached to it that I would just lie and tell people I had an intolerance so I didn't have to eat something or I'd just be like hiding food away or I'd be waking up at 5am and just throwing granola down my throat. Just crazy stuff that you don't realize in the moment you're doing because you're just in autopilot with it. So a lot of it for me was when I came into self-development, 
started learning about self-awareness, started learning about myself and my patterns and behaviors and upbringing and childhood and everything that tied into that. And when I became aware of it, I was like, oh, okay. And for me, the, the real click, it was almost like there was miniature clicks throughout my journey, but then the real click was, I'm going to pass these behaviors onto my future kid. And that for me, because being a mum is always my, always being like a number one top priority for me in my life. Like it's the thing that I've just always wanted to do and dream of. The thought of passing those behaviors onto my child is like a definite no. And that was enough for me to be like, I need to change. And now it's at a point where it's, I need to change for me. But I think Mm -hmm. it started initially with, I want to change for my future child. It was more of a kind of, how can I look after other people? And by doing that, I'm looking after me as well. Wow. You know what? I didn't know that this conversation was going to be such an emotional conversation. Like it really is. I think that for myself and for people that are listening, everyone can relate to this. Do you find that there are people who are like maybe people, you know, or something like that, that are just like, no, I don't want to talk about that. Like, do you get a lot of that? hundred percent. And really? I, was that person. I was that person because Oftentimes with things like struggling with food, it's very much in the shadow. It's very much in the background where it's something that we are wanting to push below the surface because we're not ready to talk about it yet, because it does typically come with a lot of shame, a lot of embarrassment, a lot of guilt around it that we don't want to openly speak about this, which is Mm -hmm. why it's one of the reasons I'm so passionate about sharing my stories to one, hopefully help people to realize they're not alone in their struggles Mm -hmm. and, and to hopefully give them permission to be like, okay, I can share this because I know I'm not going to be judged on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. I didn't tell anyone for years, quite literally mm-hmm. years. The only person that knew at the time was my mom and that's because she was in the health profession. So she could spot mm-hmm. it from a mile off. But I would hide underneath huge jumpers and baggy clothes so nobody knew. Um, mm-hmm. And even I didn't know, you often hide it from yourself as well because right. again, the brain just pushes it into the background. So yeah, it's it's one of those that you can't necessarily force somebody who isn't ready to be on their journey mm-hmm. in order to see it. They they often have to come to it themselves and in their own divine timing. But when they do and really kind of apply the work with it, their life will just be 180 in, in so many different ways. I can't even begin mm-hmm. to believe that the transformations that I've seen with clients are just, they still give me goosebumps because it's just, it changes every single aspect of somebody's life. Mm-hmm. It really works. What are some of the success stories that that you've had from clients that are your favorite? There's so many. <laughs> there's um there's one in particular. Obviously, I won't go into too many details um or very specifics. But there was a lady that I worked with who was originally my one to one client in the gym because I used to be a face to face personal trainer. And then she we realized together, okay, there's something deeper. There's something that we need to kind of go deep with and heal in order to actually achieve the consistency that you want with training and with with nutrition so she did my binge and emotional eating course and the transformation that she got still like brings a tear to my eye because she'd actually been a victim of physical abuse for over 20 years mm-hmm. um, within her relationship and physical abuse emotional abuse and her self-confidence was it wasn't even low it was non-existent it was she just had no trust in herself no confidence in herself her body image was just through the floor. And it got to a point, I'm getting goosebumps already. It got to a point where she's now taking her kids to holiday, wearing a bikini. She's now loving her body, not just starting to look in the mirror again for the first time in 20 years, but loving her body. She's now asking for positions at work because she knows what she's capable of. Literally, I've got goosebumps from head to toe, like my face is tingling. 
originally when she first worked with me in the gym, she would ask me to meet her outside, which is really, really common. So that is absolutely no problem. And um, because people don't often feel comfortable walking into the gym by themselves. Mm-hmm. When we finished, she was walking in, going straight into the weights room by herself. And I was just sat there like, hey, <laughs> oh my goodness, that's incredible. That's such a beautiful story. And I think every, every woman needs a coach like you. Oh, thank you. Unbelievable. How much it really does. Just being able to see the transformation that you can gain from doing this work. It's scary as hell to start it 100% because it's the unknown. It's like, oh my God, I'm going to be doing things that I never thought I would be able to do before. But when you do, the difference in how you show up is just phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Two more questions. How would you describe confidence in your life? Oh, I love that. I would say it's, it's truly embodying and being who you are authentically. I think often we've been brought up to believe that confidence is being a certain persona, like being loud or maybe more kind of outwardly expressive. But I think confidence for me is just really just being and honoring who you are at your core and just showing up as that. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. And what programs are you offering right now? So the main program that I run, my signature program is the Food Freedom Framework, which is a 12 week heal your relationship with food course, essentially. So we dive deep into binge and emotional eating and body image. We also cover as well in that course. And then I have kind of more individual courses like a workshop on body image, a workshop on emotional eating and also a training program as well. So you've got everything covered. So, yeah, those are the ones that we're running at the minute. Incredible. Thank you so much for your time today. And thank you so much for your work. For those who are listening at underscore Amy Pickering on Instagram, take a screenshot, share on your Instagram and take us what you thought of this. But thank you for the work that you're doing, because even just this conversation, and it's fun watching you online. And I learned a lot from watching you online as well. The content that you share is great. And like, this is such a vital conversation. So this will not be the last time we speak. Oh, thank you so much. Now, thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure. And it's it truly is an honor to be able to share this work as well in your field. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Miigwech, egose, merci. Please don't leave without hearing me tell you that you are worthy and your time is worthy, which is why I'm so happy you chose to listen to this podcast. If there was something in this message that resonated with you, please take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram story and tag me at jessicadumas01 because if you found this helpful, your friends and your cousins will want to know about it. Until next time, decide you are worthy of what you want and go get it.